The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. In today's podcast, we wanted to talk about a recent report that we published at Cognolytica, which is our AI research and advisory firm. The report centers around data prep and labeling for artificial intelligence. So one of the things that those who are familiar with artificial intelligence and machine learning specifically know that garbage in is garbage out, that there's no magic in an artificial intelligence algorithm. It can't figure out the world or understand what's happening. You have to tell it. You have to train it. You have to teach it, especially for certain kinds of machine learning, like supervised machine learning, where you're specifically training the system to recognize images or do whatever you want it to do by giving it examples of those images or whatever else you want it to do. And the system will learn over time based on those examples. So if you feed the machine learning system bad examples, poorly formatted examples, duplicates, whatever, the system will come out with very unsatisfactory results. So we wanted to spend our time, we wrote some research to figure out what is happening in the market around the two aspects of solving this garbage problem. One, which is just preparing data, collecting it and doing all this stuff from various sources and cleaning it up. And then, of course, labeling it, the actual work that needs to be done to prepare it specifically for supervised forms of machine learning. But there are other uses for that as well. We talk about this a lot on our podcasts, that data is the core of AI and machine learning projects. Data is crucial in training, testing, validating, and supporting machine learning algorithms, which is, you know, at the heart of these AI systems. Part of the reason why AI has surged again in popularity is due to the combination of basically limitless cloud computing, almost limitless, the availability of big data so that you can train these machine learning models, and the evolution of deep learning algorithms. And we've talked about that in the past as well, how, you know, we have a ton of data now, big data is fueling this, and almost limitless computing as well. But the last two of those three reasons, though, are data dependent. So that's big data to train the machine learning models and the evolution of deep learning algorithms. In fact, the more data you can feed your AI algorithms, the better they perform and the more significant the machine learning results. All right. So now I have a lot of data. Now I'm good, right? Yeah. So I think what most people realize is that it's not good enough just to have lots of data. As we just mentioned before, the idea is to have lots of clean data. So what does it mean, clean data? Well, there's actually two parts of that. We need to have lots of clean data. First of all, we need to have lots of data, which is a big issue, just collecting data. And so that's organizing data from multiple data sources that are in multiple formats that are not necessarily consistent, that are issued the four Vs. Have you ever heard of the four Vs of big data? It's velocity, veracity, volume, and value, something like that. So basically, you need to make sure that you have enough data, the volume of it. You need to make sure that, oh, velocity, making sure that your information is changing at different rates. You have streaming data, you have data that's been stored in a database since 1972, or whatever, whatever yeah. the data is from, right? And that's related to the issue of veracity, which is that you don't know if some data is accurate, still is obsolete. You know, who you have no idea, right? And you have other issues. Well, if you try to feed all that data, try to sip from the data lake, as it were, and you put all that into your data system, you'll get all sorts of stuff. So we have all these issues, right? So you need a lot of the root causes of machine learning project failures has little to do with the algorithms, which 
to be honest, are pretty good. You know, they're solved. The researchers have been working on them. You got companies like Google, Microsoft, Facebook, Amazon. You can trust that the algorithms are good. So the failures of machine learning has little to do with the algorithms or the code that supports them or even your choice of technology vendor. I mean, they're all great, right? As long as they're good. So, <laughs> so the problems and issues... They're all mostly great. Yeah, they're all yeah. You know, they're suitable, right? <laughs> so the problems and failures of artificial intelligence almost always comes back to the data quality issues, right? So, you know, as I mentioned before about garbage in and garbage out. And so that's a really big part of it. And companies are looking for help and support to deal with all of these aspects of bringing data in together and preparing it, which is why it's called data preparation, preparing it for use in AI machine learning systems. In our report, we found that over 80% of the time spent in AI projects are spent dealing with and wrangling data. Even more importantly, and maybe surprising to some listeners, is how human-intensive much of this data preparation work actually is. In order for supervised forms of... We hope you're enjoying this podcast and sorry for the brief interruption. Cognolytica not only produces the AI podcast that you're listening to right now, but we also generate research and advisory to help companies make sense of AI and cognitive technologies. We also run the most authoritative, vendor-neutral AI and machine learning training and certification on the market. If you're looking to make AI a reality for your organization, our three-day Cognolytica training is for you. If you're interested in attending, you can find pricing and registration on our website at Cognolytica.com. We'll also provide a link in the show notes. We've met many of our podcast listeners in our classes, and we hope that we'll see you there as well. Now back to the podcast. In order for supervised forms of machine learning to work, especially the multi-layered deep learning neural network approaches, they must be fed large volumes of examples of correct data that's appropriately annotated or labeled, as we like to call it, with the desired output result. So for example, if you're trying to get your machine learning algorithm to correctly identify an image, which we most often say a cat image, so we'll go with that example. So if you're trying to get your machine learning algorithm to identify cats, you need to feed that algorithm thousands of images of cats that are appropriately labeled as cats and the images can't have extraneous or incorrect data. Otherwise, it'll throw off the model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because all it's looking at is just the pixels of the images. It doesn't know, because you haven't trained it, it doesn't know that there's a cloud there or a cat there. It has no idea, right? right? So in order to get the data into the right shape and to make it so that you can actually work with it, there are actually many steps required. It's not just one or two. It's like probably 10 or 12 things you need to do. And so we'll go over some of these steps. And these are not necessarily in the order that you do this. It's just sort of the list of things you need to do to make sure that your machine learning data is in the correct format. So one of the things you need to do is you need to remove or correct bad data, right? Or eliminate duplicates. So, you know, data, especially in the enterprise environment, that's been collected from many sources, you know, is really exceedingly dirty. It's very dirty. I mean, it's got bad names and misspelled incorrect address information, all sorts of data duplicates, especially if you're collecting data from multiple sources. Like, you know, this is the big issue with CRM systems, uh, customer relationship management systems, where I might have lead information from an event and other lead information from a website, you know, download information. You're probably in there 25 different times with different spellings of your name and different orders and capitalization. So you have to resolve all that. And so if you're going to use that, if you're going to feed that into a machine learning model, you have to really focus on that bad data, right? You also need to standardize and format your data. Data can come in a lot of different ways. Like Ron said, data is dirty. So images, they can come in many different sizes, shapes, format, colors, color depths, just a lot of different formats. So in order to use any of this for machine learning projects, the data needs to be represented in the exact same manner 
or you will get unpredictable results. Right. I mean, you can't just you know, feed any cat image into the system. Right. It needs to be, if your system has a certain number of input neurons for your first layer of the deep learning network, your image has to have that exact number of pixels. So it's two. And every single image needs to have that. Exactly. Yeah. Otherwise, the system is going to just crop it or, right. or something. And so if we said, you know, you need to feed it thousands of images, that's a lot of work to get all those in the same format. That's work. Yeah. And of course, we have the second issue, which is that of, of veracity, which is you know, updating the out-of-date information. So we don't want to be really focusing on issues of like training it on data that is not relevant, because then, of course, we'll have machine learning models that are also out of date. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we can't, and also we don't want to be mixing data. It's like, especially if you're trying to do any sort of predictive analytics, this produces very, uh, this may not be the case with image data. It's like, you know, having a, a picture of a cat from 1972, I don't think cats have evolved much since 1972. Right. That's probably... <laughs> Probably fine, but if you're doing a predictive analytics model, especially on things like housing prices, data from 2015 is already completely obsolete. You know, throw your predictive yeah. model out of date. So, <laughs> Let alone yeah. 1972. Right, exactly. And also, you know, data can be out of date even if people move, if they get married and change their name, if they have children. I mean, a lot can happen in just a few years. The next thing that you need to do is enhance and augment your data. So sometimes you need extra data to make the machine learning model work, such as calculating fields or additional sourced data to get more from the existing data sets that you currently have. And if you don't have enough image data, for example, you can multiply it by flipping the image or rotating the image so that you can trick the system into thinking that it's a new image when it's just the same image flipped a certain way. So that helps as well to enhance your data set. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that we talk, kind of hinted about this when we're talking about computers are just looking at pixels. So they have no idea what's in the image. And also, so you think of the idea of noise and people especially think about it in terms of image noise, you know, just like extraneous stuff or just bad pixels. So one of the things you want to do is remove that because you're training your system and it's going to train on every pixel of the image. So well, one of the big things is noise reduction. But actually noise reduction applies to all forms of data, not just image data. Of course, there's audio data. So if you're going to try to train on voice stuff, you want to remove all the extraneous, non-relevant... You know, background noise. Background and, noise yeah. or crinkle, you know, static even because you'll train it on the static, which is actually kind of interesting because people have been saying, people, you can't really know how a deep learning system works. You just know that after you're feeding it stuff a bunch of times, it eventually will recognize the thing that's labeled. Well, what if just you were training on a language, just happens that you were using a different kind of microphone with some hum in it when you were recording somebody's particular accent. And so it was able to recognize that person's accent, but then it was really just recognizing the hum on the mic. And so the next time somebody speaks with that same mic with the same hum, it may think it's that accent or that language or something. So you have to be careful. Yeah. Systems don't know, right? There's also noise in text data or database data, just extraneous things that just are not helpful. Like, And this is a big issue if you're trying to feed it lots and lots of fields. Like you have a big Excel spreadsheet with a thousand rows, maybe 20 of those are important. Those other 980 rows, it's noise. Mm-hmm. And you're training it on noise. So you have to be careful. Another thing that you want to do is anonymize and de-bias your data. So you want to remove all unnecessary personal identifiable information, the PII, from the machine learning data sets and also remove unnecessary data that can bias algorithms. Like Ron said, we don't quite know how some of these deep learning systems are working. So if it's picking up a hum in the microphone, then 
you've unknowingly biased your data set to have the hum in the microphone and that's what it's picking Mm -hmm. up. And the other thing you need to do is you need to normalize data, which means that you need to, if you have data that is over ranges, like, you know, like salary ranges, you need to kind of standardize, especially a lot of inputs to different algorithms will require data to be between zero and one or negative one or between some range. So you have to find some way to, to get them into that range. You have to, certain algorithms are much more sensitive to that. So that's going to be part of it. And you just come up with the way to do it. There's lots of different ways to do it, but you need to make sure that it's done consistently. Otherwise, you're throwing your data off. Another thing that you're going to want to do is data sampling. Especially if you have very large data sets, you'll need to sample that data that's used for training, testing, and validation phases. And you'll also want to extract subsamples to make sure that the data is represented of what you know the real-world scenario will be like. Right. You may not want all of your petabytes of data to be fed into a machine learning algorithm, so you're going to pick some subsets. So you have to be careful about that subset that you pick. Right. You don't want to say, you know, take the first 100 and it's in alphabetical order, and now you've only selected A's and right. you've <laughs> neglected the rest of the alphabet. Right. And if maybe the first 100 were beta customers and they just behave differently. So you have to be very careful about that. And the other thing is is around feature enhancement, not feature selection, because that's usually one of the things that machine learning algorithms will do is they'll figure out what the appropriate features are of an image, whether it's recognizing boundaries or whatever. But there's a lot of times you can actually do feature enhancement. You could do things to the data to make it such that like, okay, well, if you're really trying to pick out images, can you enhance the edges in the image? Can you, you know, enhance, you know, certain aspects of the text to basically make it more sensitive to certain things? Even though you're doing a little bit of human, the human is doing it, you're enhancing it to make it more reliable. So anyway, these are a lot of different tasks. There's a bunch more. And this is all falls under the field of data preparation. And you can imagine that you know performing all of these steps on lots of data, gigabytes, terabytes of data, takes a lot of time and energy, a lot of human labor if you're using people to do it. And it, this is especially the case if you have to do it over and over again, because a lot of times that first time you train the model, it's just not going to work right. Or sometimes you want to update that model. You know, As we said, like especially if you're doing predictive analytics on housing data, you're going to have to do this constantly, unless things stabilize, which is never going to happen. So we talk a lot about that. And of course, there's a big movement towards the use of third-party tools to really help simplify that. In our report, we detail solutions. We've had some briefings. And our policy always with Cognolytica Research is that we only talk about vendors that we've had direct, one-on-one, in-depth briefings with. We don't just go out and get like a list of vendors somewhere and just throw them in there and assume that they're relevant because they may not be relevant. This market changes all the time. So we have conversations with these vendors. So this particular case in this report, we look at three vendors. We look at Melissa Data, which is a high focus on healthcare and pharmaceutical. Also, our friends at Bexada and Trifacta that have products and solutions that are really focused on data preparation and large volumes and data that scale. And we don't review them or anything. We just talk about how those solutions work for those that are looking for examples of vendors that are providing solutions in this space. In order for machine learning systems to learn, they need to be trained with data that represents the thing the system needs to know. So we talked about that before. If it you want to train it on cat images, it needs to be fed cat data. And obviously, as detailed in the steps above, data needs to not only be in good quality, it also needs to be labeled with the right information, which we had talked about. Simply having a bunch of pictures of cats doesn't train the system unless you tell the system that the pictures are cats. So that's how you label it. Or if you want to get more specific, you can, you know, say it's a specific breed of cat, not just an animal or not just a cat. For example, you'll say that it's a specific type of cat, whatever that cat may be. It could be a tiger or it could be, you know. (laughs) Yeah. So computers can't put those labels on the images themselves because if they could, then we wouldn't need to be feeding it labeled data. So this is a chicken and the egg problem. 
How can you label an image if you haven't fed the system labeled images for it to train on? Yeah, so there's no secret here. Somebody needs to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. The answer is is that we need some method for labeling these images in a reliable way. So it might come to us as a surprise, especially for those who are maybe new to machine learning. Maybe they're even using other models or systems, just how human intensive data labeling work is. You know, in, in one of our articles that we'll link to in Forbes, we talk at the Achilles heel of AI is basically human-powered data labeling. So, you know, human-powered data labeling is really the necessary component for any machine learning model that needs to be trained on data that hasn't already been labeled, right? There are ways of extending existing models to, to, to simplify this problem, but especially when you're starting from scratch, you need to do that. So, you know, many companies and organizations result to using, you know, internal labor pools or contracting general labor or using third party labeling efforts. And what we found is that in our report, we found that companies within 2018 were spending $750 million at the very least on internal labeling efforts. That's how much they were allocating and budgeting towards internal data labeling, as according to our research. And this number is expected to grow to over $2 billion in that year and by 2013. So in the past few years, we've seen vendors emerge in the landscape to provide third-party labeling so that companies don't have to do their internal work to do that. And we've seen vendors such as mentioned, these are the vendors that we've had briefings with for this report, Figure 8, which used to be called Crowdflower. So if you remember those guys, but they're called Figure 8, and they're actually recently acquired by Appen, iMerit, and Cloud Factory. They have their own dedicated labeling labor pools. In the case of Figure 8, they have a way to basically standardize using other labor pools as well that are able to offload much of this work and have the experience and remote workers who can operate at better scales and cost of operation. So in our research, we have found that expenditures, the market for third-party data labeling services was $150 million in 2018, growing to over $1 billion. So this is a huge growth industry by 2023. Yeah, it's very interesting. And despite the use of third-party data labeling services, companies using those third-party offerings must still spend twice as much supporting those efforts than the cost of the actual data labor work. Part of the reason why it's so expensive to handle this portion of the machine learning project is there's just no way to entirely take the human out of the loop. So Ron had mentioned that this is the Achilles heel of AI. You just can't entirely take the human out of this. This is where AI is running into the chicken and the egg problem that we talked about. In order to train machine learning algorithms, you need lots of clean, accurate, well-labeled data. But to get that data, you need humans to do the hard work to clean it and then manually label it. Obviously, if machines could do it, you wouldn't need the humans, like we had said earlier. But to get the machines to be able to do it, you need the humans. Eventually, there will be large amount of already trained neural networks that can be used by organizations for their own model purposes or extended via transfer learning to new applications. But we're not quite there yet. So for now, organizations need to deal with this human-dominated labor that's involved with data labeling. And this is something that Cognolytica in our report we've identified takes up to 25% of total machine learning project time and cost. Mm-hmm. So even with all this activity in data preparation and labeling, we see that AI is actually going to have a positive impact on the human aspects of this process. So increasingly, we see data preparation firms. So this is just on the data cleansing and all that stuff we talked about, the denoising and the deduping and all that sort of stuff. They're actually starting to use AI to automatically identify data patterns 
to autonomously either clean the data, automatically apply normalization, or, or it could do that at an augmented basis, suggest it to maybe this one person who can operate in large data sets and say like, oh, I think we can eliminate these data fields, I think we can standardize it this way. So likewise, in addition to that, especially based on previous machine learning projects, so it can learn about your projects and it knows how to automatically apply data cleansing based on like, well, I've done these steps now 16 times, so can I just automatically do that for you? Likewise, we see that these third-party data labeling firms are starting to use machine learning to speed up the process by suggesting potential labels like, oh, I think this might be it. Even if it's never seen that image or audio or text file or whatever before, it can automatically apply bounding boxes, speed up the labeling process. So we see AI helping to make future AI systems better, right? Maybe not completely ever eliminating the human factor, but greatly reducing it. You know, a final conclusion of our report is that the data side of any machine learning project is usually the most labor-intensive part. And what we're, of course, seeing is that whenever you have data labor, a market will come up. There'll be vendors who are going to try to solve that problem for you. So the market is really emerging to help make those labor tasks less costly and less complex and less onerous. But they can never be completely eliminated. So what we see is successful AI projects will learn how to leverage these third-party software and services to really minimize the overall cost and impact and lead to quicker real-world deployment, which of course will accelerate the whole cycle continuously. And data is at the heart of AI and machine learning. We talked about it on this podcast and we've talked about it in other podcasts as well. So the need for companies to have good, clean, well-labeled data is only expected to increase in the coming years. It's not going to go away at any time soon. At some point in the near future, there will be pre-trained neural networks available for organizations to use, like I had said earlier, but we're not there yet. So until then, companies are going to need to invest in data prep and data labeling software. We thought it was important to have this podcast because data prep and labeling is at the bottom layer of our layer cake, which is the AI and ML infrastructure layer. And the bottom layer has technologies that are broad and general in helping to develop and implement AI, machine learning, and the broad range of cognitive technologies. These solutions aren't necessarily purpose-built for AI, but they provide necessary underlying infrastructure technology from vendors that specialize in this infrastructure. So since data is at the heart of AI, if you have garbage data, you'll be producing garbage results. Like Ron said at the beginning of the podcast, garbage in, garbage out. So this is really a foundational layer that everything builds on. And that's why it was so important for us to have this podcast, because I think the biggest takeaway from this is at the end of the day, data is at the heart of AI and you need good, clean, well-labeled data in order to get any type of accurate result. Yep. So this is part of our research. So for those of you that aren't away, we publish a lot of research and we have a fairly comprehensive research schedule for 2019. We think we might have talked a little bit about it in one of our podcasts. And so we're producing about 40 reports over the course of the year based on our vendor classification landscape, which I remember we did talk about in one of our earlier podcasts. We'll link to that. And we're generally tackling it from the bottom up, but you'll see that we're trying to address all corners of this so that people understand how that works. If you're interested in the report, we'll link to it in the show note. It is available on the Cognitive site. It is not a free report. Just want to point this out. This is something that's available to our research subscribers as part of their research subscription. But for those who are interested in purchasing this report individually, you can. And you'll just basically get more details on the stuff we had talked about, more insights into the market, growth of the market. And of course, each of the vendors that we've profiled, there's a detailed profile on those vendors as well. Listeners, we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts in the show notes. Like Ron said, we'll link to the report and we'll also link to some related podcasts as well. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more 
please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.